Here on Swings and Mishes, we only bring you the very best content with the Miami Marlins and Major League Baseball. And if you want to get yourself into a very good car, what you need to do is make sure you head on over to Happy Car Sales, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. And the phone number is 954-800-2449. I have been buying cars personally from Louie, the owner, for more than a decade. And he wants me to let you know that whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or no credit whatsoever, it simply doesn't matter. He's got his full inventory online at happycarsflorida.com, and all of the financing is done in-house. Again, it is happycarsflorida.com, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, and Louie's phone number is 954 954- 8002449 if the car that you want is not in his inventory he will get it for you happycarsflorida.com 9548002449 hello baseball fans and welcome back to another episode of swings and misses we are happy to be back after a week off as we just got into the MLB offseason. If you're a Marlins fan, not so much if you're a Washington Nationals fan or a fan of the Yankees or Astros, but we'll get to that later. Craig, it's nice to be back with you uh, here this week. How, how was your week off? What'd you do with all that extra time not recording Swings and Vicious? I think that this was our first week off from the podcast in, in maybe the whole year, maybe even yeah. going back to last year, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure, but... Uh, yeah, look, the Marlins season ended, and, and it was time, I thought, with, with not a lot happening to take a week off. And, uh, you know, certainly that's kind of the MO for the offseason. When things happen, we'll certainly roll out these podcasts and at least every other week. And we may you know, go back to going every week when the winter meetings come around and, and even in the postseason. When there's news, we, we obviously will have it. And we do have news on this on this podcast today in terms of the coaching staff and kind of going through what the Marlins may be thinking and how they were thinking. And that's what I uh, pride myself on giving you guys here on this podcast is things that you won't hear anywhere else, things that you'll learn for the first time here. So hopefully we're able to still communicate that with you guys and girls throughout the offseason. We'll continue to do it for you. And uh, again, thanks to all of our sponsors who stuck with us, even in the off-season time, too. So uh, head on over to swingsandmissions.com, by the way, where we update stories from our great staff. They'll be participating throughout the off-season as well. Again, when there's something happening that's worth reporting on Twitter, at Craig Mish, at Swings and Mishes, at Jeremy Taché, those are the places you need to follow. And then we'll follow those up with some audio and some and certainly some conversations as we go along as well. So count on us being here at least every other week for now. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the the news of the last couple weeks since we've been gone, what was the coaching staff, is the coaching staff. Um, as you reported, Mel Stottlemyre, the pitching coach, Mel Stottlemyre Jr., rather, is back uh, with the Marlins once again. Trey Hillman is back. As Joe Frisara reported, Brian Schneider, Freddie Gonzalez, Dean Trainer, all out with the Marlins. Um, and, and the question I have for you, Craig, is also where do we stand with the hitting coaches? So, you know, your thoughts on the moves that have already been made. And then, you know, the question there with, with the hitting staff, what goes on uh, with the Marlins organization going forward? Yeah. And by the way, Tim Wallach at the end of the season also uh, you know, decided that he wanted to be closer to home. He mm-hmm. says he's not retiring and would like another gig. And we certainly wish uh, Wally the best. And, and hopefully he's able to find something there too. 
uh, look, when we did the podcast two weeks ago, if you go back, you'll remember what I said. Mm-hmm. You can't lose as many games on a major league team as the Marlins lost last year and bring everyone back. It's just right. not realistic. Changes have to be made. And, um, you know, to kind of walk through some of them, and some of them I have more insight than others, and so we'll, we'll get into that as well. Uh, Freddie Gonzalez is an interesting name because this was his second tour of duty uh, with the Marlins. He, of course, was the manager of the big league team many years ago and I thought did an admirable job. And I think most people within the organization felt like Freddie did a good job this time around. Uh, why personally he decided to make this his last year, I'm not entirely sure, but we definitely wish him the best. And uh, I don't, I think this is probably the end of the line of him with the Marlins, but right. he definitely has his piece in, uh, in, in franchise history for Miami, without a doubt. So congratulations to him on a very great Marlins career. I know people will look at that cynically, but I, I thought he was a very nice guy. He did a great job, and uh, I could see him resurfacing for sure, eventually in Atlanta or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I know that he has a home in Atlanta as well and, and uh, you know, worked for Bobby Cox, was the manager of the Braves for a long time. Right? I don't want to just gloss over Freddie Gonzalez and what he's meant to the Marlins organization because he's meant a lot. He's been around. He's been here for a while. In terms of the other moves, not, not all that surprising, again, to make changes. You're, you're going to have a new bullpen coach. Brian Schneider is the catching coach. That, that did catch some people by surprise. I got a few texts on that one with some surprise there. So I have to at least just mention that. But Schneider will have another opportunity to coach somewhere in the big leagues also. Very good with catchers. But if we are grading catchers, Jeremy, Mm-hmm. And we are grading defense. I would not say that Jorge Alfaro turned into some super spectacular catcher this past year. Right. So perhaps that was part of the thinking. This is my speculation without fact. I don't have an answer there, but I'm just kind of spitballing as maybe potentially Miami would like to see uh, a better defensive performance from him. And although Brian Holiday, I would hope would come back on another one-year deal or whatever the case may be, Alfaro, they figure in as the catcher of the present and maybe the future. Right. So, so perhaps that's the reason why, again, this is my speculation without fact. Now, the big story for sure that I can give you some insight in is uh, Mel Stoudemire Jr. coming back and returning as pitching coach of the Marlins. And I've been very adamant about the job that I believe that he did with Miami. Uh, health is not coachable, but the Marlins did a fantastic job with that starting pitching in April and May being the only team to have all five starters roll through basically April and May without injuries. Right. And I do think from players that I've spoken to and people in the industry that you're looking at one of the better pitching coaches in the league that has yet to put his name in that same category, like his father, Mel Stoudemire, like a Dave Duncan, uh, in the past that you would look at Ray Searage of the Pirates, although that's, you know, he's no longer there and he had a great run with Pittsburgh for a long time too. I think there's a chance that we're talking about Mel Stottlemyre Jr. as one of the very best pitching coaches in Major League Baseball, but just because of the situations that he's been in in the past, he's been in more of a developer than he has been in, in winning situations because that's where he was with Arizona and that's where he was with Seattle. So it came to the offseason – where he was one of the very few coaches, in my opinion, that the decision for him returning was just as equal as it was with the Marlins making the decision to have him come back. And the reason why is because he had several 
opportunities to go coach in other places. The places that I had at least heard or speculated was Arizona, going back there, making a return there. Also, as I mentioned with Ray Searidge leaving Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh would have been a possibility for him to return. Uh, had he decided that he didn't want to return to the Marlins, he would have continued to coach, but I'm just not sure where that would have been. So some things weighed into that with, with Stottlemyre as far as uh, the decision from what I understand. Uh, also understanding that his father did pass away last year and his family is all the way out west, uh, all the way in the Pacific Northwest. So that had to be a factor in deciding, hey, am I going to spend a whole nother year away from my family? And the other thing that, that kind of you know, piqued my interest here a little bit and just kind of understanding the thought process here was Mel Stottlemyre uh, Jr. wants to be in a position to win and wants to have that opportunity to see the development of these young pitchers through when the Marlins are winning. Right. And so it is my understanding, at least from what I was told, is that Stottlemyre really uh, wasn't interested in returning on a one-year deal. It would have to be a multi-year deal. And from what I am told, and I can tell you here for the first time, is that he did receive a multi-year deal with the Miami Marlins. So he, he will be with the Marlins at least for the next two years. And uh, that's something that we'll report here for the very first time. Mm. So he's, his contract now is in line with Don Mattingly's. And I'm going to uh, guess and speculate that by the time his contract is up, uh, he'll be renewed again because I do think he's done a very good job. And, uh, and, and I think that also there, there, and I want to put this out there too, is that there was some at least internal or external speculation that I had heard that he wanted to have uh, more of an impact on the pitching staff, more of a role into what the decision-making process uh, that was kind of debunked to me a little bit, but I will say this. When a pitching coach is brought into an organization and he's working with a manager for the first time, there's always going to be that feeling out process. Now that he's returning with Don Mattingly this go around, I feel like that is just a organic thing that will happen right. where that trust factor from uh, the skipper Don Mattingly to Mel Stottlemyre and the trust factor from Stottlemyre to Mattingly will continue and that will progress. So I will expect Stottlemyre to have more of an active role on that side of the pitching staff here in 2020 and 2021, which is when he will be here. So if that kind of summarizes it more or less, Jeremy, I think that in a nutshell was, was the situation as to how it progressed. Miami really wanted him to, uh, to bring him back. He wanted to really come back, but also under some parameters of knowing that, hey, look, I've been uh, a developer Right in, in Arizona, I've been a developer in Seattle. Uh, you're a pitching coach. You want to win. He, right. I mean, the guy wants to win, and he believes. I believe that the Marlins can win, but uh, you know, we're not so sure about this coming year in 2020. Mm -hmm. So, getting that extra year to his contract certainly seemed to be the difference. And uh, congratulations to him on uh, on getting that. All right. Well, and it's nice for him in that he gets to do a little less development with you know Sandy Alcantara and Caleb Smith, who now have that year under their belt. But theoretically, you know, we'll get to continue to develop some good young arms in Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera when they eventually make their trip up to the big league club. Um, so to see Stottlemyre sticking around with, I mean, we saw the improvements made for Sandy Alcantara. And if that's the type of improvement you can expect from young pitchers under Mel Stottlemyre, well, 
you know, the Marlins have a great uh, pitching coach under their belt. And to link him up with Mattingly for the next two years, it, it allows a lot of flexibility going forward, but also a level of, of comfort within the organization and, and, and stability that I think is uh, necessary for a young ball club. Um, you know, we did mention at the beginning, it, that's the pitching. That's the positive side. Obviously, you know, the hitting side of things for the Marlins was not as great when it comes to the hitting coaches. You know, where do things stand for the Marlins at this point? Yeah, also, let's go back and, and rewind to uh, Trey Hillman. Oh, true, right. Yeah, who will, who will also be back this year. And this falls in line with the hitting. So let me, let me kind of put it all in one here. Sure. Uh, Eric Duncan, who was the uh, minor league hitting coordinator, I believe. I'm sorry if I get this wrong. He was, I, I believe he was the overall coordinator for hitters in the minor leagues. When Mike Pagliarulo was let go, he was brought to the big league club to help. Uh, Jeff Livesey, who was the assistant hitting coach, also remained as the hitting coach of the Marlins. And so they finished out the season with Duncan and Livesey as the basically the two primary hitting coaches in, uh, in 2019. Now, my understanding is, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you a fact and I'll give you speculation. <laughs> my understanding is factually that both Duncan and Livesey will be back with the Marlins organization in 2020. What that role or those roles will look like, I'm not entirely clear. Mm. And what Trey Hillman's role exactly will be, I'm also not entirely clear. So those are facts. Now, so all three of them, and, and uh, Hillman, of course, on the big league team. And Duncan and Livesey, I believe, will be back potentially with the big league team. But there could be some shifting around a little bit. And Duncan, remember, could just go simply back to the role that he had last year. Right. And the Marlins could bring in uh, a hitting coach or even two. Mm. Now, my speculation is, those are the facts. Now, my speculation is, is that the Marlins would be foolish to not do due diligence at this point with all of the managerial and coaching moves that have been made to kick tires mm -hmm. and see who is out there potentially to bring in. As an example, the Red Sox hitting coach was let go, Andy Barquette. There, there, right. gonna be, there are going to be a lot of names that are out there and it very well could be none of them are hired. And it very well could be that Trey Hillman ends up as the bench coach, which I think a lot of people have speculated. It very well could be Livesey's the hitting coach, and Duncan could stay in the big leagues as hitting coach as well. Mm. My guess is that's not going to happen, and someone from outside of the organization will be brought in. Let's also keep in mind they'll need a new third-base coach as well with Freddie Gonzalez right. leaving. Right. So uh, th there's a due diligence process over the next month or two heading into the winter meetings, which I would guess by then it will be completed, that Miami will decide, hey, is there someone out there that we think can give our hitters a better chance with, based on what we have here? And that's what they should do. It's mm. not an indictment on anyone. This is part of the process is some very good people are going to be let go from teams that Miami will have a shot at. By the way, some very good people were let go by Miami. Mm. that other teams will have a shot at like Brian Schneider as an example, Freddie Gonzalez, right. maybe if you feel that way uh, as an example, that those guys could end up resurfacing with their teams as well. So this is part of what the due diligence process is. If I had to speculate and guess, I think that Miami will have a new primary hitting coach next year. Hmm. I can't say that factually because I don't know. That's just me speculating, but that, that I think that could be the road that they take. 
And if it doesn't turn out that way, then they obviously like the people in-house more right. than they do the people that are out there. So that is the summary as far as the, the hitting coach is concerned. And I think we'll get some more clarity on Trey Hillman, who uh, seems to be universally liked within the organization and will have a significant role one way or the other, whatever he ends up in. It's all about the due diligence process when it comes to to coaching hires like that. That nice little cliche. Yep, due exactly. Due diligence. Due diligence. So there's 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 so many things that we hear when uh, coaching moves are made, and that is simply the number one term: the due diligence of the process. They uh, have to check. They have to absolutely. See. They have absolutely. To see. Look, the Phillies are thing. looking at a whole other staff here, of course. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Madden left Chicago and is moving on. The Angels are going to have a brand new staff, of course. With the, I mean, there's just so much happening that uh, I, I, you know, come on. I, I just, I, I think they got to do it. And again, going back to what I said two weeks ago, you're out of your mind if you think that team loses 105 games or whatever. Right. Oh yeah, well, they all did a great job. Look, I was, <laughs> look, I was just as surprised as everybody, as anybody that Mattingly came back. Look, I, right? I was the first one to say that I didn't think that that was going to happen. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that you're that Donnie's going to come back and then his whole staff comes back and they look at it and say, we're based on the great job that you guys did last year. Right. We're bringing you all back. It doesn't happen like that. So uh, it'll be interesting for me. It'll be interesting to see. And, and again, I'm kicking the tires on all of these things and trying to figure out who's getting interviews and who's trying. But let's let's look for that in the next couple of weeks to happen. Well, it's good to know that Mattingly and Stottlemyre are back and, and build That's everything the else That's from the there. Stottlemyre is the most important part of this. Absolutely. And I've said it from day one. And, again, people sometimes think that, that, uh, that I'll play favorites or I like certain guys or I don't like certain guys. I mean, look, do you, I mean, do you guys not understand with doing this podcast what I do? I ask people questions. I ask pitchers questions and, and players questions. And I say, hey, what do you think? Did this guy do a good job? You know, I, you know, I'll say, you know, yes, he did. You know, I've heard also coaches in the past that have been here. Did this guy do a good job? Yes, he did a great job at being first to get the food after the game is over. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much. Now I know that that guy is probably not as well-respected as some others. And, oh, and these, are, these are things that I hear. And, and, and you have to have these off-the-record conversations to get a clear view. But universally, there wasn't any – there was every single person that I talked to within the organization and outside of the organization – said that, hey, Miami needs to hang on to Mel Stottlemyre Jr. because this could be one of the next up-and-coming great pitching coaches in Major League Baseball. And when you hear that, and it's coming from outside of the organization as well, I'm going to bring that information to you. Absolutely. And combine that with a good young staff. We've got good things coming. Speaking of young players, uh, the Arizona Fall League happening now. A couple of Gold Glove Awards for the Marlins. Victor Victor Mesa. Jesus Sanchez, what are your thoughts on uh, what's been happening out in the Arizona Fall League? Yeah, and Neidert is, is someone that, uh, that we need to pay attention to, Nick Neidert, because he's done very well. Uh, from what I was told is that the Marlins basically sent out their entire front office mm-hmm. to Arizona to watch the Arizona Fall League. Now, at that final game, the, uh, the Fall Stars game, uh, Gary Denbo, I believe, was the main a person who was there. But from what I was told, uh, Dan Greenlee went to the Arizona Fall League. Mike Hill, of course, the president of the team was there. Uh, Don Mattingly was at mm-hmm. the uh, – I mean, this is after the season wow. at the at the AFL. Yeah, they they sent a lot of uh, – Derek Jeter, Marlins CEO Derek Jeter, wow. making another road trip All right. to, the, uh, to the Arizona Fall League. I probably should have mentioned him first, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but he was there uh, as well. So they, they take, they're taking all of the development clearly still very seriously. So obviously a good sign when you see right. 
all these guys out there. But uh, Nidert is a good takeaway from there. He had a good fall league. Gier Encarnacion is a nice up-and-coming player there, too. There's been mixed reports on, um, on Victor Victor. Um, you know, some people in the industry feel like he is going to be, uh, you know, better than what was expected. There are some people who feel that he will not be as good as he is ranked mm-hmm. by a lot of the top prospects. But I will also say this. Yes, they gave him millions of dollars. But in the grand scheme of things, even if Victor Victor is a corner outfielder or even a fourth outfielder, the going rate for what they paid is going to match what they paid right. for, for right. Victor Victor. And again, did they pay anything for Victor Victor? They gave him millions of dollars. Uh, they also just basically gave Kyle Barraclaw away, who they would have had to pay millions of dollars exactly. the following year. It was kind of, to me, it was more of a trade than anything else. They just basically moved some money around. So mm-hmm. I'm not particularly worried about it, about Victor Victor, if he ends up being great or if he ends up just being okay. He's going to be a major league player at some point. He'll be a plus defender at some point. Mm-hmm. He'll have some decent speed. Whether the, the power comes, whether the hitting comes, we just don't know. It is still very early on in his development. Jesus Sanchez, on the other hand, has a chance to be a star, and I think we'll see him in, uh, in 2020 in Miami. So that's kind of the, uh, the fall league update. The one question that I'm getting a lot on social media before we move on and wrap it yeah. up with the uh, Washington Nationals is, of course, uh, surrounding Marcelo Zuna who looks like he may have probably played his last game in St. Louis. And I just keep getting these same questions about, will he come to Miami? Will he sign with Miami? Uh, I'm, 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 I, I can't say anything with certainty in sports anymore because once Andrew Luck retired out of nowhere, I've decided I'm never saying anything's 100% anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm done doing that. Okay? No, more, no more 100 like on the, the percentage like meters. The, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with 100%. I'm not doing it anymore. That just caught the world by surprise there. Right. So, uh, but I will say this with Ozuna. Ozuna has history, of course, here in Miami, but there have been people who worked with the organization that when Ozuna was here would all tell you the same thing. He is a fun player. He potentially can be a great player, but he's also a higher maintenance player than some other players are. So if he was to return, a couple of things would have to happen. The first thing that would absolutely unequivocally have to happen for Ozuna to return is he could not be offered the qualifying offer by the St. Louis Cardinals. So if the Cardinals offer him the qualifying offer, which is a one-year, it went down a little bit, close to $18 million, the Miami Marlins are not going to give a draft pick away from Marcelo Zuna at any cost. That is never going to happen. So you could just move on from that conversation. If you see him get the qualifying offer, then it becomes a 1% chance out of 100 because I don't believe in any way, shape, or form Miami is going to give up a draft pick. Those are worth so much right now mm-hmm. to major league teams. If he's not offered the qualifying offer, then the percentage would go up slightly, but I still think it is unlikely that, that a match would be here. He doesn't necessarily fit the profile of what they're looking for. No, I still think offensively he can be great. I'm not really sure what happened to him defensively. I know he's had arm issues and shoulder issues. I don't think that that was handled the right way last year. Some of it was on him not wanting to do things that they asked him to do in terms of health and surgery, put things off. We all know what happened in spring training where John Moselak called him out at one point wondering if he was okay. Then he went on to have a great season this year. And then, of course, in the postseason, all this stuff reared its head again with the Cardinals. Uh, I like Marcel very much, one of my favorite Marlins of all time, and I hope it works out for him. But if I know anything about Marcelo Zuna and know about his past and his present and his future, 
this is his lottery ticket to, to, for his life and his future. Right. And he is not going to take, I don't think, any small discount just because he loves Miami. This guy wants to get paid. This is his chance. He has been waiting for this. What will it look like? Three-year deal, $40 million, 50. I, I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, but he cannot take a nice little hometown one-year deal to come back to South Florida. Uh, this, this is a guy that likes his life and likes to live his life. Hmm. And I believe that he is going to be looking to get paid. It is a little complicated now with him not being represented anymore by Scott Boris. Hmm. Uh, Yadier Molina, from what I was told, he became close with Yadier Molina. He ended up joining Molina's agency uh, with the idea that perhaps St. Louis would extend him. That did not happen. Hmm. So what, will that turn out to be a mistake for him again? Another mistake? I'm not sure. We'll have to see that play out. I would guess that some team will covet him. Uh, an American League team, perhaps, yeah. where he could spend some time as designated hitter. If you said to me, what would be your very early prediction as to where Ozuna would end up? I would pick the Texas Rangers. I think it's a good spot hmm. for him, a brand new ballpark. Yeah. The Rangers are going to have to spend a little bit in the offseason. When you move into a new park, you got to you know, show face a little bit. Uh, Texas is coming off a season where they made some strides. They have some nice young pitchers as well but they, they clearly had some offensive players that didn't live up to their potential. Odor is one of those. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll see where Mazzara is at in that conversation. I think Ozuna could play a little outfield, a little DH. I think that would be a good landing spot good for him play. and a team that's willing to spend some money, the Texas Rangers. So, again, it's a guess, and when we fill out those things as to guessing where all the players would end up and we're wrong on 90% of them, I will guess that, that Ozuna ends up there with just based on speculation. But it's, since it's come up to me a lot, I wanted to address it. In closing, I do not believe Marcelo Zuna is, uh, is headed back to Miami. And if he's offered the qualifying offer, you, you don't even need to talk about it anymore. Miami's not giving up a draft pick. Well, let's hope for his, his case, one way or another, he gets that life-changing money. Because, man, to get that one life-changing, generation-changing contract, right? Generational wealth that comes with, I mean, with think, those think about this million dollar deals. When you're a guy like yeah, that's Marcelo it. That, you Zuna. You just said the number there, Jeremy. Like, right? let's, say, let's say he gets a three-year, $50 million deal. Right. It's generation, which, which two years ago you would have been shocked that Marcelo Zuna didn't get six and seventy or right. or five and ninety or something like. That. But those contracts just don't exist anymore in baseball. They're very hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, he's coming off a bad postseason mm -hmm. and in a in a rough uh, defensive season. He was a Gold Glove Award winner, and he has not looked like it. So he's going to probably have to settle for less than he thinks that he's worth, mm. which which is going to be a fun story to follow too in the off season. But I mean, think about if Marcelo Zuna gets $30 million from a team on a two year deal or four, that's life changing right. money. I mean, that, that's set. That, I mean, we think we that that's Trump changing. Yeah. We, we, no one has that in, in perspective. And, mm -hmm. and, and just from talking to guys who have made 5 million in baseball and 6 million in baseball, it's like, if you do the right thing with your money and you invest it the right way yep. and, and you work in media or you work as a coach, oh, yeah. you, you are setting your family up for life there. And I think Ozuna yep. needs that. I think he right. needs it. And I think he needs to take the most money he can yeah. that is being offered from any team. Right. And, and hopefully it, it, uh, it ends up working out. So I just wanted to give some insight there. Yeah. Because we have people in St. Louis that listen to the podcast and they kind of you know, want to hear about that. Too. Yeah, and with, with a few minutes left here, the reason St. Louis and Marcelo Zuna are no longer playing is because of the Washington Nationals who have gone on Really what feels like one of those team of destiny runs here. They won the wild card game, uh, then went on to beat the Dodgers in what was one of the better division series I've ever watched. Um, and now swept the Cardinals in the National League Championship Series and are moving on to the World Series. They'll get either the Astros or the Yankees. 
And there are some Marlin ties for more reasons than just the fact that the Nationals are a division rival. Uh, you got Dan Jennings. You got Annabelle Sanchez. Jack McKeon around the Nationals. What, uh, Craig, what are all your thoughts with, with this crazy run from the Washington Nationals, just to wrap this up? Yeah, the Nationals are on this historic run where it's it amazing. all started in the eighth inning against the Milwaukee Brewers. You would think Josh Hader shuts them down, and then right. Right. And then what would this that. have been? Yeah, what would this have been? So really an incredible story, and it, and it kind of goes back to the same thing where, yes, no doubt, Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, those are the guys who beat Kershaw. Those are the guys who brought them back, and offense is a very big part of this game. Pitching. But to, but to get to it all, man, you got to have those guys. You got to have Strasburg. You got to have Scherzer. You got to have Corbin. Anibal Sanchez, I know, is, is, is pitching well. Right. And, that that's what it is and so we're still waiting to see what ends up happening with the with the Yankees and Astros but you don't think that it's a formidable situation for even Washington to have to face Garrett Cole three times in a seven game series like what are the what odds would you give that Garrett Cole loses any game right in the postseason he hasn't I don't think he's lost a game since May he hasn't so 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 it, it, it in the end it is kind of about the pitching but make no mistake about it their hitting has also been great Juan Soto has moved himself into top 10 player in baseball. What top five, maybe like he's, he's right there. It's amazing. As far as that goes and, and give them a lot of credit because back when we saw them early in the season, I didn't think that there was a chance that that team was going to be this good. There was a stat that they, they and the Detroit Tigers had the same record June 1st. Wow. Yeah. The Tigers won 47 games. No, the it, it, are going it's to the wild. World Series. It's wild. And they're, and they have the momentum. It wouldn't shock me to see them win at all, but if they well, got a face off, if they got a face off and they're going to have to beat Garrett Cole somehow, I don't know how that happens. Yeah. It's so I, funny. A lot of Yankees fans yesterday, I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, what do I think? Houston's going to win. Garrett Cole. Oh, they, all they need is a couple runs. I'm like, yeah, the guy does not give up a couple runs. Like, he this guy is five like, batters at Yankee yeah. Stadium and still yeah. didn't give up a run. It's Look, insane. He's pitching like Hershiser did, like Bumgarner did, mm -hmm. like Charlie Morton did, like Arietta at the end of his Cubs did. Mm. Cole Hamels, like this, this is what's happening and why people aren't recognizing this. I'm not sure. Verlander's been beat up in a game. Granke's been, but Eric Cole has not been touched right in any game. And so I still favor Houston in this thing, but I can't sit here and say that, that Washington won't be a, a tough out because they have, they've played the best baseball basically since, as you mentioned, June. So, right. Uh, by the way, congratulations to uh, Dan Jennings, the special assistant to the GM of Mike Rizzo. And also congratulations to Jack McKeon, former Marlins manager, who's also a special assistant to Mike Rizzo. I sincerely look Jack McKeon, of course, at, at the end of his baseball career, I don't know if there's an end ever for his baseball career, <laughs> right. but I would love to see Dan Jennings get an opportunity to be in the big chair at some point with someone. And hopefully the things that he's done in helping Mike Rizzo will certainly get him there. Cause I'm a very big fan of Dan Jennings who appeared on this podcast. He, I was about to say, he's one of my favorite interviews we've done on this podcast. He was very informative and told some incredible stories. So you guys should go back and listen to that. Uh, as we, you know, as you, as the nationals head to the world series, can't wait for those pitching matchups, no matter who it is that they get, whether it's the Yankees or the Astros kind of hoping it's the Astros for the pitching purposes. Uh, but it will be interesting no matter what. The Nationals are headed that way. The Marlins hopefully someday following a similar mold. Uh, and that will be it for this episode. Please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review. Check out swingsandmissions.com. And we will be back in the following weeks with more Swings and Missions.